This is Bess Vanderheit, and welcome to The Shake, the podcast for all things shaker. Some walk out, but others sit in. A student-led walkout about stricter gun laws leads to a student-led sit-in to protest racial inequity. On Monday, the JV baseball team defeated Valeria. This is Madeline Price, and welcome to The Shake. This is Katie Cronin, and welcome to The Shake. This is Bess Vonderheit, and welcome to The Shake. My name is Kim Owens, and I teach um, in the Individual Societies or Social Studies Department at Shaker Heights High School, and most of my course load is in government or economics. Uh, so I teach currently an AP government class. I'll be teaching core government class second semester. I teach a year-long comparative economics class, and then I also teach um, theory of knowledge slash government as well, which is part of the IB program. So I've been at Shaker for, I think this will be year 18. So um, quite a while. I came, my first year was uh, the fall of 2001, uh, which is easy to remember because my first semester teaching here was when 9-11 happened. And prior to here, I have taught in um, South America and Ecuador, and I also taught in Michigan, and then I taught in a travel program in Washington, D.C. called Close Up. Can you tell us how you became a teacher and why you decided to teach? Sure. So I originally did not go into education. I don't have um, teachers in my family. And so I, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I was in economics and political science kind of did a, it was a political economy major with a Russian minor at Kenyon College. And I did a junior year abroad the first semester in St. Petersburg at the Gorney Institute. and. Let's just say that I decided that was not how I wanted to spend my future. And so I returned from that program. And instead of continuing on with the second semester in American, I withdrew from Kenyon and I transferred and took courses at the University of Michigan. And I focused on just political science and economics. So I graduated with a bachelor's in economics, a minor in political science. And I was in a couple job interviews. And one was for like a financial kind of advisor position. And they asked me what I enjoyed doing. And I said, well, I, I was a lifeguard and lifeguard instructor all throughout school and college. Um, I've worked at summer camps. And so I've always worked with students or kids in some aspect of some age. And they said, well, why don't you teach? And I said, oh, they're still underappreciated and underpaid. I don't want to do that. And so the more we started talking and the more I was thinking about my skill set, I was like, you know, it actually might be a good match. So I thanked them, left that interview, went next door to the admissions office and picked up the paperwork for to get a teaching certificate on top of my bachelor's degree. So in Michigan, I was in Michigan at the time. Uh, you could get a teaching certificate and not have to go through an actual formalized program if you already had a BA. And so I started that that fall. Yeah, so I kind of took the roundabout way <laughs> into it. So I kind of did a long program. So I'm only certified in government economics, um, which does make it challenging to find a job because I'm not really well-rounded in terms of I, middle school doesn't offer those programs typically. So even though I'm political science and economics 7 through 12, it really narrows it down to only political science and economics. Um, but the good news is when I do find a job, I get to teach what I love to teach. So it's kind of a win there. And you mentioned clowning. Do you I wanna, did. Do you want to talk about? Sure. So, um, wow. So I was, gosh, when did I start? Probably it would have been late high school, early college. And I was at a fundraiser car wash for our church. 
and I was just dressed up kind of as a clown per se, like I had a wig on and a big bow tie, and we were just holding a car wash sign and flipping it all around. True story. A woman on a motorcycle, all right, she was on the back of it, drove by at the stoplight where I was. She reached out and handed me a business card and it said Candy Cane Clown Company. And she said, we're looking for new clowns. If you'd like to, you know, let me know and we can actually do formal training. I was like, okay. So I took the card, didn't think anything of it. And then I thought, why not? So I, um, I called her and they were actually hiring people that were interested in learning how to do clowning. So I went to um, a clowning school, like a convention style school where I learned how to juggle. I learned some card tricks. I learned, attempted to learn ventriloquism. You learn how to apply makeup, there are rules. All right, so there are different types of clown. I was an Auguste clown, which is, um, so the ones you typically see are like the full white face, you know, like think Ronald McDonald. And um, so Ronald McDonald, he's a full white face clown. Auguste clowns came about more as kind of the comic relief to the more serious clown, so they kind of that, and that was the schooling type I went to. So we did birthday parties. Um, probably my biggest thing we did is we went to mall openings. So like when Santa Claus would come or the Easter Money, they would hire a few clowns to entertain the kids in line, and that way the parents would be able to stay longer. So uh, we'd make balloon animals. Yes, I do make balloon animals. Um, do little tricks with them, you know, just kind of keep the kids entertained while they're in line for Santa. So most of my, most of my time was spent doing that type of work, but it was a good part-time job. And then you also mentioned that you taught in South America. I did. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about how that came about? Sure. So I have always been fascinated with anything international. So I had a pen pal in Russia back when I was in like seventh grade on, um, which was unheard of because it was the Soviet Union at that time. And it was really like, he even sent me, his name was Oleg, he even sent me a map in the mail that later on when you compare to maps that were released shows it was different like the maps were even different i mean it was a completely different time period so i'd always been fascinated with international always wanted to live abroad and um i did do the time in russia and i did spend a summer as an exchange student in high school um, i considered going full-time but i didn't want to delay graduation and it would have been difficult to graduate as a senior doing a year particularly because i didn't speak the language very well AKA at all. <laughs> and so I um, always want to live abroad. So after teaching for a couple years, I taught in Michigan for two years, I decided that I wanted to go to an international job fair and see what was out there. So I flew to Iowa and I went to an international job fair and I interviewed with, it's kind of a whirlwind of a weekend. So you, you sent your resume ahead of time and all of your information. And then it's kind of almost like a like a modern dating site. You pick who you like, they pick who they like, they match up, then you set up for interviews that weekend. By, you come in on Thursday or Friday, by Sunday you have job offers. And so I interviewed with um, an all-girls school in Kuwait, interviewed with a school in Costa Rica, a school in Puerto Rico, um, a school in Ecuador. I kind of wanted something Spanish-speaking, just because um, my mom's Latina, and so I thought that would be kind of cool to have a Spanish-speaking country. But I, um, you know, I interviewed with a number of those schools and I just decided that Ecuador was the best fit. So I signed a contract that Sunday afternoon to teach the following year in Ecuador. And so I taught there for a year and it was an IB school. So I taught IB Econ and I taught the fall semester of TOK. Um, and it was a really, and I also taught a, it was a government type course that it was a pre-gov course they took prior to getting to the IB program, so they were sophomores. Uh, but it was, it's a great country to visit and live. It's very small. 
And so you can be in the coast in a couple hours, you can be in the mountains in a couple hours, you can be in the jungle in a couple hours. Um, they have pretty temperate weather year round, so you can really see a lot of things. And if you're trying to learn Spanish, they have a ton of Spanish schools because they speak very slowly. It's, I mean, just by nature. So it's much easier to understand and comprehend. And so I, was, I had a working knowledge probably by November, December, my parents came to visit. You said you went abroad in college to Russia? That, yeah, so just like that's funny interesting. Stories. Okay, so probably one of my favorites. So um, just to give you the time period, it's 93. Uh, so we had, I think, 50 people on our program that were gonna be going over and going to the Gorney Institute. We were taking classes in Russian, but they were separate, except all of them except one or two were separate from the actual Russians that were taking them. So it was, you know, it was done nice and slow and so that we could, you know, get a better grip on the language. And uh, so, well, this is the time when the Commonwealth of Independent States are dividing up and there are a lot of coups that are going on and it's, it's quite, um, quite interesting time. So they'd have the second coup right before we went. So a lot of people withdrew their applications. Our group of 50 dropped down about 28. And so it was a much, much smaller group that went over. Um, it was very nice, the people were very friendly, but I remember we decided the group of us, probably about maybe seven or eight of us had to go out to dinner. And so we went to this restaurant, which was like one of three in this massive city of millions of people that was in this one area of town. And we went inside and they had like the chalkboard menu, right? And then they had the menus that they hand out. And so they had like five or things listed on the chalkboard menu and they had the menus out. He'd come to our table. And so the waiter came to our table and we said, we went around the group and said, we want this, this, this. He's like, mm, I don't have that, I don't have that, I don't have that, I don't have that, I have that. We're like, okay, give us a few minutes. So we came back, I don't have that, I don't have that, I don't have that. Okay, came back, I don't, we're like, okay, how about you tell us what you do have? We're like, what she ordered. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, okay. Um, well, you could have told us that when we walked in the door, and they said, well, would you have stayed? We're like, well, probably not. So, <laughs> yes. So there was a lot of scarcity going on. Like you hear about the bread lines. Like my host mother would say, hey, on your way home, could you pick up, you know, some bread or something from here? And things were all sold in different stores. Um, so it, truly, it was an hour wait because there's just a lot of scarcity and a lot of, like, famine in the southern part so they weren't getting the fruits and vegetables brought up from there and so it's just very very different you've talked about all of your international experiences mm -hmm. do you feel that, that helps you as a teacher and that lets you like i don't know it would like gives you more perspective on what you're teaching i do i think i think traveling in general even domestic i think because i mean even our country is so diverse um so growing up we uh traveled quite a bit my family was spread out through different places in the u.s and so even to visit relatives because my parents my parents and i think one uncle of my dad were the only ones that really lived in michigan so most people were spread out elsewhere so i think travel in general just it it gives you a different sense and different 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 way of seeing things um what i always found interesting is so when I was between my sophomore and junior year, I did an AFS program to Germany where I stayed with the host family. So it was a six, six week um, summer exchange program. And I remember arriving and everything looked very similar. It really didn't look that much different than the US per se. But when something would happen, the way they reacted or responded was so different than what I was used to that it was just interesting to see that difference. You know, and so I think traveling enables you to see things in somebody else's eyes. I think it gives you a little more empathy sometimes just because you have an understanding of, well, people may be doing something different, but it's 
not necessarily because they're against what you're doing. It's just they have a different way of processing or seeing things. And I even see it regionally in the United States. So right after college or after my teaching cert after college, I worked for the close-up program in D.C. And we had students that came from all over the United States. So you'd have a school of students with maybe 24 or 30 kids from that school. We divide them. So there are about six groups at each in each group. So you would be in a, I would be responsible for 22 kids and I would have four from Texas and four from North Carolina and four from Michigan and four from California. And so we would do, and that'd be paired with somebody else. It also had 22 kids. We'd be on a bus and we'd go all over the city. So everything from visits to embassies to hearing speakers at Georgetown, Georgetown University, um, all different kinds of places. And they would have discussions afterwards and just hearing the students and their perspective and interacting. Like you get outside of that bubble, you know, you always hear about the shaker bubble or everybody has a bubble. And you get outside of that bubble and you hear something, you're like, whoa, I don't hear that argument very often, you know, even um, in terms of that. So I think just having even domestic regional travel, I think is important too, because I think it gives you a different point of view. What accomplishments so far are you most proud of, would you say? Finding a job I actually enjoy. There are so many people that don't like what they do. Um, and I enjoy what I do, so I think that's good. You know, some days are harder than others, and some days are more fun. But um, I do enjoy what I do, so I think that's an accomplishment as well. And so what would you say are your future goals? I don't know. I mean, if I could personally help more people turn out to vote, that would make me very, very happy. I don't know how to do that. Um, <laughs> you know, in terms of that, um, I think just continue to have an impact on students, you know, because I'll have students that come back and visit or say something like, I had a student come right after that uh, visited during, uh, right before winter break, during her winter break from college. And she was just, you know, she's like, I voted for the first time this, you know, and it was just, I remember when you registered us to vote, it was, it was so cool. And just in terms of that, I, so I think just, just be able to continue along that path. On behalf of Madeline Price, Katie Cronin, and Alana Miller, this is Best Ronder Height, the Shakerite.